If you want to transform your body, mind, and spirit, then you are right where you need to be. Welcome to the podcast, the official podcast of Pullman Fitness, hosted by your coach, Adam Pullman. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the newest episode of the podcast. In today's episode, I had the great pleasure of sitting down with a good friend and fellow coach, Becca Naveed. We talked about tons of different stuff, health and fitness-wise, all the way from her journey getting into health and fitness and becoming an online coach, uh, and even discussed more about social media and insecurities, tracking your food, and things that you can do to improve your quality of life and get the results that you've been working so hard for. So make sure you tune into this episode, and you can find Becca on Instagram as well. Her handle is built with Beck, B-U-I-L-T with Beck, B-E-C. Make sure you go there and subscribe to her newsletter as well. All right, y'all. Enjoy the rest of the show. So tell uh, tell the audience or tell uh, me a little bit more about yourself. You you started doing fitness after working with a coach, yeah. right? Yeah. So I feel like that is not too common. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that, what that was like. Yeah. So I always say my fitness journey started two different times. I feel like I've had two fitness journeys. My first fitness journey was all of my preteen, teen, and early college days of trying every fad diet, trying all the Pinterest workouts, Googling fat blasting XYZ, <laughs> superfoods, like the, the very typical, yeah, the very yeah. typical girl is unhappy in her body and wants to change mm. her body. The second fitness journey was starting with a coach. So when I was in college, I don't remember how or when, but I stumbled on macros. And I think it was probably from like an Instagram account or something. But I started learning like, okay, I've done all of these fad diets. I've cut out, you know, I've eaten clean foods. I've done all of the right things. I'm not seeing results. So obviously I'm missing something. So start tracking macros. And I'm seeing a little bit of change, but I ultimately found um, an online coach's podcast And I literally binged every single episode when I would drive to and from college. I would listen to educational podcasts and I was like, okay, this is what I need. I need to learn the why. So I ended up reaching out to them and I signed up for a year. And I told him on the phone when we were doing my little like intake call, I was like, I work out all the time. I feel like I eat well, but I don't look like I work out and I don't look like I eat well. I'm working way too hard to not look like I work this hard. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I really just want to like look like I work out. So I was like, I love this stuff, but I don't look like I love this stuff. <laughs> and that was like really frustrating, really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me almost feel like I don't want to tell people that I like working out and that I like eating well because I don't look like I don't have anything yeah. to show for it. Yeah. So I work with a coach for a year and it was actually during that process that I got certified and took my CPT um, because after a couple of months of working with her, I mean, I told her in my inboard, my onboarding calls, like, I'm going to be your most annoying client that you've ever had because I want to know everything. Mm-hmm. So when I ask you why, why, it's, like, it's not because I doubt you. It's not because I have better ideas. I genuinely want to understand what's going on and why it's working. And I saw results pretty quickly because, I mean, I was tracking every single thing I ate. I was hitting every single goal. It was like all of my focus was towards being the best possible client ever, which potentially was unhealthy to a certain degree. Um, but I loved it. I really formed a great connection with my coach. And so I asked her, I said, what kind of certification can I take to learn more about this? Not even with the intention of doing it for work. Just from a learning perspective. From a learning perspective. Um, and just really, I mean, I was obsessed with it and it, I'm sure like you can, it resonates with you whenever you start seeing results, whether it's physique related, health related, performance related, it's a different type of rewarding. It's like, it's addicting. yeah, it's addicting. Yeah. And so I wanted to learn as much as I could. So started getting certified. And again, I mean, I was in school for something else. I was applying for graduate school, or maybe I just started graduate school, completely unrelated fields. I had no intentions of ever doing it for work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would tell Dan, my now husband, I was like, could you imagine having my coach at the time's job? I was like, could you imagine that being your job? Like, she has the best job in the whole world. Like, she mm-hmm. just has the most amazing job. And so I get certified while I'm working with her and I'm just working with friends and family for fun. They saw that I had a great transformation and they would really just ask for advice. I would put together workouts for them and it was fun for both of us. And is this, at this time, is this still a, a, a learning thing or have we now decided this is what I'm going to do? Still for fun. Still for fun. Mm -hmm. Still to learn. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Yep. I was in grad school at this point. 
and I did an accelerated program at Baylor where I was for undergrad. What do they What do they do? What is the thing? Sikkim. Sikkim. Obviously. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Obviously. The Colorado boy over here. We, uh, yeah. we don't We don't quite understand the Texas college culture. Oh my gosh. I love Baylor. I love Baylor. Um. So I was there for my master's, and I had plans to be a professor. So I was in the midst of writing my master's thesis. I didn't have to take the GRE for grad school since it was an accelerated program, but I would need the GRE for my PhD. Mm-hmm. So I was studying for that. I think if I wasn't so focused on another goal, I would have thought about pursuing coaching earlier, but coaching came in the midst of pursuing something else. So mm. to me, it was always like a side hustle kind of idea. So I'm studying for that and it was crunch time. It was my last semester of grad school. I'm finishing my thesis. I'm about to defend my thesis in front of my committee. I'm applying to and doing interviews for PhD schools, doctorate. And I mean, it's like February, the end of February, I think. I'm graduating in early May. I'm supposed to have my decision submitted to doctoral programs in April. And I decide I actually don't want to get my PhD anymore. And I don't want to use this degree that I just worked towards. I don't want to do any of what I thought I wanted to do. I want to coach. And obviously there was a lot more going on behind the scenes of a lot of stress and a lot of questioning with what I thought I wanted to do. I was working with more friends and family with on the coaching side of things. And I started doing that as like a mental escape from what I was pursuing for my career. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just, it doesn't, doesn't sit right with me that I'm putting all my time into something that's not fulfilling. So I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my advisor. I didn't tell my parents, anyone. Didn't tell who I was working for. I was a research and teaching assistant for a professor at school. And I declined the doctoral program that I was supposed to go to. And I put every penny that I'd made in my assistantships in grad school into a business coaching service. And I only told my then boyfriend, now husband, I was like, I'm going to try and see if I can make money from it. And if not, I'll figure it out. But yeah, like, I yeah. can't can't move forward with teaching. Um, and coaching did fulfill that like desire that I had to teach. And I mean, teaching information that felt a lot more relevant and a lot more like life changing and a lot more valuable, honestly. So I ended up doing that, not really telling anyone. And then come April, I let my parents know, hey, I actually did not accept the program. I actually turned them all down. And I'm going to move home and start a business and try and do this full time. And they were very confused and very, they were supportive, but they were also like, wait, what? Like, what is going on? It was a complete 180 from what everyone thought I was going to do. From my master's program, I was like the one student that was going forward to get my doctorate. So it was definitely startling to my department, to my advisor, to my friends and all of that. But here we are now. Yeah. That's amazing. So at that time, was there any level of like uncertainty? Like, okay, I've kind of like, maybe not mapped my life out, but I've mapped a good chunk of my life out with this plan. Was, were you just like gung ho? Like I'm going balls to the wall with this and I know it's going to work out or it's like, I'm going to try it. I'm not really sure. And you know, we'll just figure something else out afterward. Where was your confidence at that, at that point? It was very full send. And fingers crossed. <laughs> you you jumped off that boat and you burned the boat. Literally. Yes. It was baptism <laughs> okay. by fire, 100%. Baptism by fire. Of like, if it doesn't work out, yeah. that's fine. But I have to give it my all and figure mm-hmm. it out. And that was what I did with my fitness journey too, with hiring a coach. Is I told myself, I was like, if I hire someone who I know for a fact knows more than me, and I give it 100% of everything that I have, all of my effort... Um, all of my attention, it's a priority. I ask all my questions. I really give it my all. If it still doesn't work out for me, if I still don't lose the weight, if I still don't figure this out, then I know like it's not me. I've tried everything I can. Mm-hmm. Let me just see. And it worked in my fitness journey. You know, mm-hmm. I gave it everything I had and I got the results and I loved it. So I, I guess I did the same with my business. Like, let me give it all I can. Let me hire a mentor that knows more than me, spend all of my time, my Saturdays, working on it and figuring it out. And if it doesn't work, then it's not meant to be. Yeah, that's that's a unique uh, ex- experience you have in the sense that most often, at least what I experience, I'm sure you do too, most often people 
um, whether they realize it's a little bit of stubbornness or not, will spend years taking in the podcasts, taking in the free information, getting the free guides here and there, doing this, doing that, jumping one thing to the next. I'll eventually like, it's this mindset, like I'll eventually have figured it out by then. What led you to like going to straight to hiring a coach? Because yes, you listen to the podcast. Like, yes, you were getting, you could have just gotten a lot of good free information and try to figure that out. Why did you decide I'm done trying to figure it out on my own? I need to have somebody else step in. Yeah. So in my mind at the time, I felt like I had been working on this forever. And obviously in hindsight, I'm like, oh, it was a couple months, right? It was a couple months of tracking. It was Mm -hmm. a couple months of working out consistently. But I would do what I see so many of my clients do now. I would be all in like five days of the week. And then I wouldn't look any different on Friday than I did on Monday. So I would just say, screw it. And I'd go enjoy my weekend. And I didn't realize at the time, you know, I thought I was a lot more on track than I was. So there was probably five months where I lived alone because I was in grad school. That was a huge game changer for me, being in an environment where I wasn't around roommates that were always bringing food home or wanting to go out to eat or wanting to get drinks. I lived by myself. So I had, you know, my own schedule and autonomy over that. Um, But it was a couple of months where I was really being consistent and I saw some progress, but it was almost like, okay, I don't exactly know what it is that I'm doing that's giving me this progress. Like I want to be certain. Um, So I, I don't know. At the time, it felt like I'd really been working for so long and I just knew, I mean, I'd been listening to this podcast and of this coach who I'm still in touch with, which is cool. Um, But he just talked a lot about coaching and about what they do and his philosophy behind coaching. It's very similar to how you and I coach of very education-based, teaching our clients the why. And I just thought like every time I listened to a podcast, I would learn something new. So it was a humbling experience of like, obviously I don't know everything because Mm -hmm. if I I knew as much as I thought I did, I would see results and I wasn't. So I knew like, okay, I'm the issue. And well, let me just figure it out. Yeah. So when you first started doing that, was, was it an eye opener to see that you truly like weren't on track as much as you thought you were? Or do you think a part of yourself, like you knew that, but you just didn't want to accept it? Um, that's a really good question. I think it was an eye opener that I could see results much quicker. Like I just saw results so much quicker than I ever had before. And so that showed me like, okay, even though I was consistent on the weekdays, I was not consistent on the weekends Mm -hmm. or the things that I thought weren't a big deal add up big time over time. You try a little (laughs) bite of this, that, and the other, and it adds up. And those things made a huge difference, but also just general lifestyle stuff of like, I wasn't prioritizing my sleep. I wasn't prioritizing like going for a walk. I didn't go for a walk every day. I didn't track my steps. And it was really interesting to see what I had emphasized in my fitness journey of like closing the rings on my Apple Watch, burning a certain number of calories on my Apple Watch. It's like I put all like in my head, I was on track because I did those things all the time. But then I have a coach who's like, all right, let's track your eating. Let's track your sleep. Let's track your steps. That's it. So it wasn't necessarily that I'd been putting in less effort than I thought. It's just misdirected effort almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's something that I see with a lot of my clients too. They almost work less. They work less hard when they sign up for coaching because it's just effort that is directed in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really hard thing to communicate with in regards to what you said about being track, being on track like Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday mm-hmm. probably is more accurate. Mm-hmm. And then Friday to Sunday going, you know, a little crazy because we live in this world like where this pendulum swings especially with fitness and health uh information so you know i would argue that in years past a lot of the information was like rah rah motivational no days off uh balls to the wall if you have one day slip you're screwed the response to that is like butterflies and rainbows you can have your cake and eat it too and i was having this conversation with a client the other day where we are talking about the weekend Mm -hmm. and you know it was one of the things came up where it's like well it doesn't like it's not a big deal because it's not like i'm going to sabotage everything in one week it's not like i can ruin everything because that's the message that we Mm -hmm. see we see on social media it's like well it depends Mm -hmm. right if you are 1500 calories monday through thursday friday through sunday you're 3000 we are now in a surplus over the course of the whole week and so it's like 
yes, if you go a little, if you deviate a little bit one day, it's not going to be a crisis. Mm -hmm. But like you absolutely can shoot yourself in the foot if you're going nuts Friday through Sunday. And a lot of people don't even realize how crazy they are going because again, it's tracking Monday through Thursday, Mm -hmm. not keeping track of anything Friday through Sunday, whether it's through it's too difficult because I'm going out or frankly, I just don't want to know what I think might be true. Yeah, right. Totally. So, um, I want to, I want to go back a little bit. One of the things that first you you first mentioned that got you into fitness is I think something that every single person has, whether they want to admit it or not. And that's an insecurity. Totally. Like that is what gets the person in the gym. what got me Mm -hmm. in the gym. Uh, it's either like identity crisis or insecurity. And sometimes both those things come together. Mm -hmm. And then over time you mentioned that it turned into fun for you. Like you kind of fell in love with it. So Walk me through that transition from I am doing this from an insecurity to I am now doing this for fun because I enjoy it. What did that journey look like? Yeah, so this might be kind of a hot take, but I feel like hot takes are welcome with your Oh, that's <laughs> your what I live content. for. I live to get hot takes uh-huh. out of people. Yeah, so I think this is kind of a hot take. And I was just having this conversation with a new client who on our intro call, she was expressing her insecurity and mm. she was expressing, I want to lose weight. And after telling me that she wanted to lose weight, she gave all of these justifications, um, almost backpedaled because she was like, I know that I shouldn't, oh, I know yeah. I should I know be happy with it my It sounds physique. kind of vain. Yes. And I told her, I was like, I'm not going to cut you off any other time you're talking about, I am going to cut you off right now. I was like, it is totally okay if you're not thrilled in your body and you want to change it. Yeah. I am totally okay with that. I am actually totally fine if you start your fitness journey because you you don't love your body. Yep. Totally fine with it. I will work on taking us to a place where you don't derive your sense of self. Correct. From how you feel in your body. Yeah. Preach. Let's go. But also the pressure of being obsessed with your body all the time. It's unrealistic. It's unhealthy and not the point of a fitness journey. Um, and I don't think that our lives should revolve around our fitness journeys. You know, I don't think that you should go through life and your entire focus should be your macros. I think it's a selfish and isolating way to live. So for me, starting with a place of insecurity, I almost felt bad about that. I felt like, why do I feel this way about my body? Mm. And then almost punished myself for feeling bad about my body, which put me in that cycle. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. The, the shift, it happened, I guess, a little earlier than I thought. Um, but I don't think it was just one clean swoop of, okay, I'm no longer insecure and now I'm having fun. Oh, I make the argument we all have insecurities till we die. All the time. Yeah. They just change. We become more familiar with them or we see them crop up in different ways. So for me, it was, okay, I was insecure about my body and I wanted to lose weight. So I start with a coach who puts me in a dieting phase and I see progress after a couple of weeks. So you would think, okay, you're, you're not insecure anymore. Like you feel good. You're having fun. Yeah. Of course not. Like, of course not. If I've been insecure for 21 years of my life at the time, it's not going to go away in 12 weeks. So I think for me, it was less about becoming more confident in my body, although that was true to a certain extent. It was more so this sense, this like newfound sense of control that I had in my life over something that I thought I would never have control over. Mm. Because there would be periods in my life where I would lose weight and then I'd gain it back. Then I'd lose it and then I'd gain it back. I never knew why I was losing it and I never knew why I would gain it back. And it was more and more frustrating every time I went through that cycle. So for me to finally feel like, oh my gosh, I have all of these measures that I've been tracking and I can see trends over time and I know why I'm losing the weight. And I know confidently now if I ever am in a place in terms of my body weight where I'm uncomfortable, I know what I need to do to alleviate that discomfort. I know how to lose weight, basically. So it was less about, oh, I love my body now because I still had insecurities. I still have insecurities. I know I will have them tomorrow. I'll have them in Mm -hmm. five years. Mm -hmm. But it was more about like, I have control over certain parts of my body. And then it was even affirming there are things that I don't have control over. And why waste energy being over insecure about it if I can't control it? Yeah. So let's talk more about that. What are the elements that you felt you could not control that you have learned to let go of and just let them be. Yeah. Feeling like I'm being evaluated by other people in terms of the way that I look. I think that that pressure, because I mentioned at the beginning of, I didn't look like I liked working out. I So I didn't feel comfortable in the gym, even though I liked being there. Before I felt confident in my body, I didn't feel comfortable being there. Like I wanted to go work out when nobody else was there. Because I felt like I look like that girl who's been in the gym for three years and looks the exact same 
You felt you hadn't earned the right mm-hmm. to, to be there as far as how your body looked. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. And I think part of that also is just being young where you feel like people are looking at you more than they are. And yeah. like the gym, I tell this to my clients all the time who are nervous. The, the gym is the most selfish place in the world. Like no one is going to the gym for somebody else. No. No one is there to pay attention to other people. Unless you're going through a breakup. Correct, <laughs> correct. But that's for your revenge body. Yeah. And again, like... It's I'm, still for you. Yeah, and I'm totally cool if you start your gym journey because you want revenge. Yeah. That's fine. We'll get you to a better place, but yeah. you can, if it gets you in the door, yeah. cool with it. Um, so yeah, that, that was something for me of like feeling more confident in my body, but then also realizing like no matter what my body looks like, first of all, other people aren't looking at me. Second of all, if they are, that's on them. It's not on me. Like just kind of letting go of how I thought other people were perceiving me and just focusing on like what, what makes me feel good, um, what makes me feel strong, how does fitness enhance my life, um, what makes me feel confident because what I would I found myself thinking like, oh, that girl looks like so thin. Like I want to be – like I should want to be thin. But I mean like no, like I'm, I'm happy, I'm healthy. And I don't know. I think it, just letting go of what I thought other people's perceptions – of yeah. me and my body were. It takes a lot of time. And I don't know if there's ever like a switch. Mm-hmm. Really. Sometimes there can be, but I think what I've experienced in myself and in others, it just takes it takes time. Yeah. Um, but man, that is so true. The gym is like it's I let I always tell people like it's way more inviting and welcoming than you're making it seem to be. Yep. And people are there to better themselves and they love it when other people are there to better them better mm-hmm. themselves. But at the same time it is selfish in the sense that like no one's paying attention to, to what's yep. going on. Like I, you know, maybe if you're like standing there and I don't know, you're like, you're smacking yourself in the face with a band yeah. over and over again. Someone might be looking at you to be like, Hey, what's up with that person? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. if you're just doing your thing, nobody's even, nobody even knows you're there. Yeah. And that's, that's something even for, for trainers, you know, I, people say, Oh, well, in the gym, you must be constantly evaluating what people do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, literally in the gym yesterday, I was trying to deadlift without farting again. <laughs> Like Again. that I was so concerned with my own bowel movements. Like that's all I'm focused yeah. on. You know? Yeah. And that's the case for all of us. We're just focused on ourselves. Yeah. So one thing you, you touched on that I want to expand on more because I feel like this is one of, if not the most valuable element of taking care of yourself, health and fitness wise is the, you, you said I was noticing like how it was benefiting my life. Mm-hmm. So what are the carryovers that you've seen, um, from prioritizing your health and fitness that have affected, uh, your, your, your life? Yeah. So in prioritizing my health and fitness in a way that I actually know is benefiting my health and fitness. So not the fad diets, you know, like yeah. genuinely checking the big boxes, the sleep, the walks, all of that. Number one, it's made me prioritize quality rest mm. more than I ever did before. So I'm not going out, staying out, scrolling on my phone late at night, watching TV every night as I fall asleep. Like I care about my sleep. I understand that that's just as important, if not more important, than the time I spend in the gym. So that that obviously has a lot of carryover, right? Because it improves mental health, energy, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but then also just general movement has improved my quality of life, spending more time outside. I know that that starts my day on a more positive note. I do a lot of reflection, prayer, catching up with loved ones on the phone, like all of that outside, um, just walking, right? Mm-hmm. But then also like being stronger, having an able body will directly impact your life. You will be able, especially as a woman, I don't need help carrying things that are heavy. I don't need help moving something. I don't need help putting my carry-on in the overhead bin. I don't need help like bending over. Like there are a lot of things where I see value in that being a 25 year old woman now, but especially when I get older, I don't want to be the parent or the grandparent that doesn't or can't play with their kids, that can't run around. Um, I was just having this conversation with a client who got back from vacation and I thought this was one of the coolest wins. She's a new ish mom. Her baby's eight months old. And she was talking about being on this vacation where they were at the beach and they were doing lots of activities. She's like, I've kayaked before I've swam before. She's like, but I have never been able to keep up with the rest of the group. Mm. Like I did. I have never been able to be at the front of the group kayaking she's like i felt so strong doing the activities and we talked about how powerful that's going to be not just for her to enjoy things like kayaking more or enjoy hiking more but how powerful that'll be for her daughter to see her mom growing up and knowing like my mom will wear a swimsuit and get in the pool with me my mom will go kayaking with me my mom will do these activities with me 
And so, you know, that's a way that my clients who are in different stages of life than me, like that inspires me and affirms me and my path of like, yeah, I want to go to the gym today and I want to exercise because when I am that mom, I want to have those wins too. Like I want to be able to enjoy life. And I feel like that's something that we'll see as we age where maybe you can't go do things that you used to be able to do because of your body and things like that. But yeah, just having like an able body overall. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge, the gap gets bigger as you age. Mm -hmm. Like right now for you and I in our twenties, like the difference between people like you and I that prioritize our health and fitness and the people that like, you know, go to the gym once a week and then, you know, kind of eat a salad here and there. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a difference, right? And it's it's decent, but it's not massive. Mm-hmm. But then I think of like my dad, who has prioritized his health and fitness his whole life, um, always worked out on a consistent basis. Uh, no offense, pops, but your diet could be better, but it's not horrible, <laughs> right? And then you take people his age that haven't prioritized those things. I mean, they might as well be thirty years older than he is. Yeah, and he's in his sixties. Yeah, and so that is one thing that's like I'm so thankful for his example there because it's like. I don't know even now in my 20s, late 20s, that I would have the foresight to be able to understand and appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that I always want to try to like instill into clients, into other people where it's like, hey, let's let's love and appreciate how our body is changing. But what are we noticing about how we're feeling, how we're moving, how it impacts our our quality of life, our ability to um, to move? How do you so how do you help? How do you help clients? see that when they are so focused on the way that their body looks? How do you help them work through that? Yeah. So one trick, I guess you could say, is if I have a client who signs up and they're brand new to the gym and most of the women that I work with are, okay, or they are newer to proper lifting. So yeah. they go to the gym, but they're not you know, lifting heavier than a five pound dumbbell. We got the pink dumbbells. Yeah. Yeah. Pink dumbbells. Yeah. So, you know, Stairmaster kickbacks. St- the whole <laughs> shebang. <laughs> hey, I've done them. That's why I can say it. Cause so I've done good. them. I've done oh, it. Yeah. Um, so one thing that can be useful is hinting at the ways that the exercises we're doing aren't just to have like a bubble butt mm. or tank top arms. It's my least favorite, yeah. but we're mimicking really functional movements. So I'll use it for like form cues too, like planting tiny little seeds. Cause I don't want to try and like beat them over the head with the Bible and be like, you're more than what your body looks like sure. because they they're hiring me to help change what their body looks like. Like I respect it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But little things like, okay, when, when the client I was just mentioning signed up, she was brand new to lifting weights. So we're talking about the difference between, you know, different movement patterns. And I'm explaining, okay, think about when you, bend over and you're you're holding your daughter and you squat down to the ground to pick up a toy right you you are squatting okay that's a different movement pattern versus when you are doing a forward bend over to pick up your daughter off the ground like that might be more of a deadlift Mm -hmm. and explaining how getting strong in these movements isn't just about changing your physique but you'll notice before you notice the physique changes you'll notice the carryover into everyday life yeah absolutely and you know you'll notice when you're putting something heavy at the top of the closet, you'll notice like, oh my gosh, I just did this like overhead press yesterday. And you're going to see that carryover almost immediately. Once you start training those functional movements, you'll notice how often you do those movements. So almost pointing at those wins as like a prerequisite to the physique changes, because you know, the physique changes are going to take longer than noticing fitness in your everyday life, but you just got to keep an eye out for it. Mm -hmm. So along the lines of like, focusing on the benefits of our movement in addition to the way our body looks, Mm -hmm. the way it presents itself in the mirror, swimsuit, Mm -hmm. whatever. What are some other things that you, you wish people would focus on more when it comes to the benefits of their nutrition and their exercise? Yeah. So I would say one of the ways that I kind of get them to tell me what they're looking for is I just ask questions. I rarely tell I do a lot of asking, especially when a client signs up with me. So if I ask them about their goals, I want to lose this many pounds. Awesome. I love that you have specific goals. What about your life is going to be different when you lose the weight? I want to fit in the cool. That's really cool. Like, I really appreciate that. Like, why? What's the deeper and kind of digging? Because then they'll they'll tell me, you know, oh, well, I guess I'm assuming that when I lose the weight, I'll be more active with my kids or things like that. Um, But as far as like seeing the changes of nutrition and all of that in their everyday life, we track data. Just like we would track input, we track how many hours of sleep did you get last night? 
how sore are you on a scale of one to five? I ask a lot of things about biofeedback. I've also found that many of my clients are familiar with tracking their intake, whether it's tracking macros, Weight Watchers, they're very used to monitoring how much they eat. Hardly any of them have ever tracked how they feel when dieting. So even just telling them like, hey, I know that we have these fat loss goals, I know that we have these physique goals, but my overarching goal is that we're gonna be healthier throughout this, so I just wanna make sure that you're actually feeling healthier as we continue moving forward. So having them track that just as they would track calories and communicating is like, hey, prioritizing your sleep is the same importance as calories. It's not calories overall, it's not macros overall, it's overall health. So I think seeing numbers and seeing data, seeing that their fatigue improves as time goes on, that their sleep quality is improved, that's rewarding. So you you said you have a lot of clients that are very familiar, or at least new clients that are familiar with tracking. Mm -hmm. I would imagine though a lot of new clients coming in are people that are in a similar spot that you were in of like, I feel like I'm putting this work in but not seeing the results that I want. So if they're tracking, what's going on there? What are they missing that isn't allowing them to get the results that they're, that they're working for? Yeah. So kind of what you mentioned or what we chatted about earlier, the weekend warriors who are tracking, sure, they're totally tracking Monday through Thursday and then Friday happy hour. And they're like, well, I didn't know how to track that, but like I only had one drink and then I only shared this appetizer and then like, yeah, we got Whataburger after, but like, I don't really do that all the time. The onlys and the butts. Yes. Yes. And it's like every, this is how I phrase it when I'm chatting with clients is like every weekend is a special occasion or like every night is a special occasion you can absolutely have your cake and eat it too sometimes and you know everything has to be in moderation but so does moderation like (laughs) you know and i think that that's a whole other conversation we could get into of you know messaging around moderation with social media nowadays Um, but yeah most of the time what we're missing is maybe they're tracking but they don't they're not tracking correctly so tiny little errors of like oh, okay, I can see you're using this entry or you're tracking alcohol wrong. Or, oh, that's a big one. yeah, that's a big one. Um, little things like that. Or they just don't have the right goals. So maybe they are tracking, but, okay, let's actually bring your, you know, redistribute your macros a little bit. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think they eat a lot of protein and they learn they don't. A lot of people think they don't eat a lot of fat and they do. Like, oh, I'm, my protein intake is so high. Like, every day I have eggs, bacon, avocado, salmon, like, I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. good. You know, so yeah. even just eye-opening of like, hey, those are great foods. And at the same time, there's, you know, something's not right. Something's yeah. not matching up. Yeah. Um, with that, so one of the things that um, – I lost my train of thought here. Oh, we were talking about the eggs, the bacon, the salmon, the mm-hmm. protein. Uh, when you when you have people that aren't inclined to tra- – or don't have experience mm-hmm. tracking, what is it that you use? What kind of communication do you use to help them understand that like – Yes, the tracking, the data information might be new, might seem a little tedious, but it's worth it. What what does that process look like? Yeah, so I have a client who's been with me about a month now. She's brand new to tracking. She wanted to lose weight, but it wasn't, you know, dire. She just wanted to lose a little bit of weight and learn more about fitness and nutrition. Tracking wasn't super appealing to her. So I asked her why, and she's like, well, my, you know, my mom cooks a lot of my meals, so like it just seems like it might be overwhelming. So we spent a couple weeks of her just writing down the foods that she ate um, and becoming more aware so we could see patterns of like, okay, you see how many times this week we had like restaurant food, or you see how many times this week we had fatty proteins or we had fried proteins, making tiny little shifts that aren't even measurable yet of just let's focus on having leaner proteins. So giving her a list of like, here's a bunch of different leaner proteins. Let's just start incorporating more of these. So then the grocery list started kind of shifting a little bit. And then it got to a point where it's like, okay, now I want us to pick one meal where we really go all in for this one meal mm-hmm. of like lean protein and having some fruit or veggie there. So then we decided breakfast was a good meal for her to do that. So we started really prioritizing breakfast of like, okay, let's make sure that there's a lean protein, this, that, and the other. Then I brought up the idea of tracking again. And I feel like sometimes it helps them to see that they almost have to do more thinking when they're not tracking because their goals aren't measurable. They have to use a lot more judgment. So guesswork's out of control. Yeah, for sure. So I just said, hey, we're already working towards these goals. Like I'm seeing the foods you're eating and I can guesstimate your macros. I'm like based on the portions and stuff that I'm seeing. But what if I just had you try tracking and we'll see how it goes. And she's done really well with it so far. So after, after I think about a month, we started tracking, um, really openly saying, all right, here's your calorie range goal. Aim for this range of protein. Let carbs and fats fall where they may. 
And she's found it to be a lot less overwhelming because she's not going from zero to a hundred, <clears throat> going like zero, five, 10, 15, 20, a hundred. <laughs> yeah. You have the, the tracking the food thing is, is such a challenge, especially with, with women that I've experienced mm-hmm. because there, um, we could get into a whole can of worms, honestly, um, about relationship with food, tracking food, especially with women. Men have it too, a lot of the time. But uh, I feel like women are much more willing to speak about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just seems like the, the more common thing. But we have these occurrences of, like I can't tell you how many times women talk about their, their moms, like mm-hmm. their mothers, and the relationship with food that they feel they got from them. Yep. And then that leads to, okay, now I have this poor relationship with food. Let's take in a lot of content on social media about relationship with food. Now we're introduced to this idea that 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 tracking is the boogeyman, right? Yep. And tracking and paying attention and calorie counting is the reason that we have this poor relationship with food because tracking calories inherently somehow means that uh, you're starving yourself, yeah. right? And so then we have this massive boogeyman, this like thing that's like horrible, this monster that we need to avoid. And then we avoid the one thing that gives us the information that we need yep. to, to get to where we want to be. And that is like getting over that hurdle can be challenging, but it's so rewarding. I've had so many clients be like, I was so scared of this. Um, but now it's, it's so worth it because I actually see what is going on. And so what we need to do is like, I would argue like, remember that tracking the food is not the problem. It's the relationship that you're bringing with it. It's yeah. like the, the why behind it, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're tracking the food and saying like, I am uh, a POS if I don't get it, mm-hmm. or I am a great person if I do, that's an issue. Like any sort of other tool, a knife. A knife isn't bad when you're yeah. chopping veggies. When you're hurting somebody with it, it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's not good. So we have to think about that um, as well. Is that something that you experienced at all with, with tracking, going straight from like, okay, I want to change my body. I'm going to start tracking things. Or were you just like, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm just going to go straight into tracking. No, it's definitely something I experienced. And I have that same conversation with clients of, at the end of the day, no matter what, if you're pursuing fitness goals, you are making decisions. But tracking allows you to have informed decision-making, yep. whereas you're just kind of winging it. Yep. Um, I definitely struggled really hard in my relationship with food. And I think there are a lot of voices in my life, voices that I love dearly, <laughs> that didn't have healthy relationships with food. And yeah. I saw that and I emulated that. And one big game changer for me that I see with clients is so often, as a woman who tried tracking i tried my fitness pal in high school my fitness pal told me to have 1200 calories so i tried to have 1200 calories and i would be starving and so every day getting on my fitness pal was a reminder that i was failing that i couldn't Mm -hmm. eat as little as i was supposed to and that is where tracking was unhealthy for me not because of the tracking but because of the expectation that i had on tracking and because it was just like not informed tracking at all. Yeah. So now if I have a client who comes to me and they're like, oh, I have a terrible relationship with food in terms of tracking. Okay, maybe we won't have them track. But if it's someone who wants to try tracking, maybe they tell me, um, you know, they say, oh, I have a terrible relationship with tracking. I'm like, cool, tell me about tracking. Tell me about what you tracked, how you knew that that was right, how long did you do it? Nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, they were aiming for ridiculous calories they wouldn't hit. Mm-hmm. They there was no way to succeed. So it was mm-hmm. just a reminder that they were failing. So I was talking with a woman on Instagram this past week and she listens to my podcast a lot. And one of my episodes is about finding a calorie deficit, how to get into tracking and having you kind of go in your own way of like, let's establish your maintenance and like disregard what my fitness pal says. And she, for the first time in her life is eating 2,200 calories and losing weight. She's like, it's totally different because the last time I used my fitness pal, I was trying to hit 1,200 calories and I never, she ended every day as a failure because she couldn't do it, right? And so now she's realizing, oh, it wasn't tracking that's the issue. It's what my goals were. Right, right. That is, uh, getting into tracking in high school, what a time to get into tracking. Oh my gosh. Whew, that's so, a doozy. I think it was middle school. Like I think it was like oh. seventh or eighth grade where like I didn't know what to be. I didn't, if it was like a superfood I was in. I was right. sold. I put on. I put avocado on everything, and I was like, "Oh, this is what I've been missing." Right, like, right. And, and like, healthy what's is also seven... zero calories too. Yes, and what's <laughs> what's? Like, I'm like Halo Top. I am the pinnacle of health. Yeah. Like, I am really taking myself seriously now. And like, uh, honestly, what seventh and eighth grader like needs to be tracking their food? None oh of my them. gosh, yeah. none of them. Yeah, I get so many questions where it's like, "Hey, man, I'm 12 years old." Yeah, I'm like, dude, go out in the backyard and play with your friends, man. Like, 
Literally. Ride your bike to your neighbor's house and never revisit this conversation yeah. until you're like 20. Yeah. I'm like, eat it's, something green yeah. twice a day. It's you're 100%. 100%. Man, when I have kids, I'm telling you, social media, oof, there's going to be, there are going to be some mm-hmm. boundaries mm-hmm. with that stuff for, for sure. Because sure. that's where a lot of that stuff comes into play and all these kids are getting these insecurities and comparisons. And on the, the topic of comparison, I want to take a few steps back going into the comparison you mentioned with uh, either yourself or clients with like associating what someone is doing to the way that they look and then saying, I want to look mm-hmm. like that, which is really difficult because mm-hmm. none of us are the same, right? So if I take, uh, you know, like w- one of our friends, Jake, we get to the same body fat percentage, we're not going to look the same at all. We're going to be two completely different mm-hmm. looking people. So um, how do you how do you work with people? How do you coach someone through understanding like, we can strive to be better and strive to be more like that. But at the same time, you have to completely let go of the idea that you're going to look like that person because, frankly, it just ain't going to happen. Yeah. What does that look like? Like that? Like that? Yeah. <laughs> it, open and honest it, Yes, it looks like just yeah. being honest. Um, I also think a large part of it is we talk a lot – I talk a lot with my clients about their goal self. So I, t- yeah. I try and enforce an idea of like give me the clearest picture that you can of who it is that you're trying to be, not in the terms of another person – in the terms of like yourself, tell me about your goal self. What's her morning routine like? What's her bedtime routine like? How does she speak about herself? How does she walk into a gym? How does she talk about food? When she goes out to eat, what kind of food does she order? How does she feel around alcohol? Like mm-hmm. we will have these conversations. And I was um, talking about this the other day. I had a client write out a list of like 10 to 15 statements about her goal self. We're struggling with I know what my goal is, but I'm not doing the things that need to take me there. Okay, so have her write out like 10 to 15 statements that describe her goal self. And we start this week with picking two or three of those actions and just doing them now. Yeah. Like you got to start acting like your goal self before you become them. And so I think it's less about like discouraging people from looking at others and more about like encouraging them to stay in your own lane. Like put your blinders on, tunnel vision, this is your journey. Yeah, and it's a conversation too that I think is so valuable from Instagram. Like if I have someone who's, I've had a client before a long time ago send me pictures of bodies that she wanted to look like. Yeah. And we got on Zoom and I just like asked more questions about it. Uh, You know, why this body? What are you going to look, what's your life going to be like after? But I think also just pulling the curtain back and exposing Instagram for like nobody looks like their flexed self all the time. Yeah. And I'm also willing to bet that the person who is shredded 24 seven, you do not want to live their life. I no. promise you don't. And they're probably not. They just recycle photos. Yes. And like you, you don't want to live that life. No, you it's don't freaking miserable because yeah, like you don't. Yeah. Um, I talk with clients about like, don't hire a coach based on what they look like. Um, hire a coach based on, the lifestyle that they live, if it's a lifestyle that you would like to live, if you want to feel healthy and go on vacation, if you want to meal prep and cook fun foods with your family, like that's who you should be working with. If you don't want to compete, don't work with a bodybuilding yeah. coach. Oh my that, gosh, preach. Yeah, it's like don't look at, you know, your their body is not their resume, really. Mm-hmm. You know, look at look at the lifestyle and yeah, I think just being honest of I mean, I've had people where the conversation doesn't really help. I don't think it does, you know, and I don't think that person and I would end up being a great fit. But trying to have these yeah. conversations before I work with a client just to set reasonable expectations yeah. of like your your leanest life is not your best life all mm-hmm. the time. What are some other things? Well, first of all, do you feel that, that that phrase or that recommendation of like, let's not let's not hire somebody based on what they look like. Is there a degree to, where, to which you feel like that is true all the time? Or, or a degree to which you feel it's true, or do you feel like that is true all the time? Mm, I would say a degree. Yeah. I think, and again, it's like you just got to be careful with social media because, like you were talking about with that pendulum, there's that huge wave now about everything should be intuitive and like mm-hmm. you should be able to let your intuition guide you. My intuition tells me to eat a chocolate chip cookie after every single meal. 100%. You know? yeah, yeah. So it's like to a certain degree, like if you want to be in shape, hire someone that you perceive to be in shape. Yeah. But my argument would just be that their lifestyle would dictate their true fitness more than their body will. There's also going to be people who started their fitness journey when they were stick thin. They went into the gym, started eating protein and lifting. They've never had to lose weight. They've never had to keep it off. They have a different starting point. They have different journeys. And I think that if you're going to be coached by a person who is involved in your life and 
really mentors you, it would be valuable as the client to work with someone who's been what, through what you've been through. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. if, again, if you have someone who's never been overweight and, and you're overweight and you're like, this coach just like doesn't understand me. They don't understand that I'm struggling. They don't understand. It's just going to be difficult. Yeah. You, you have to do a lot of, like you said earlier, teaching mm-hmm. as a coach, a lot of explaining, mm-hmm. a lot of questioning in some regards, you're a therapist. Uh, many regards. Yeah. Um, so I can't tell you how many times people are like, I feel like I'm in therapy right now. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> we're just talking about stuff that matters. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You know, so is that something that you anticipated when you got into coaching? Like, did you realize how much teaching uh, and questioning and just kind of like, I don't know, maybe probing for lack of a better word? Did you realize you were going to have to do that much of that? Or was that a surprise to you? Um, I did not anticipate it, but... Well, I guess I should say I didn't anticipate it to be true of the job itself. I am very much that person. I Got it. I want to know more. I want to know the why. So if you tell me it was a really tough week, which impacted my nutrition and fitness, obviously I'm going to respect boundaries of clients, but okay, well, how else can I support you? Like, I think it's also if you're working with a one-on-one coach where it's not group coaching, you're working with someone closely. Like I only offer close, close coaching with my clients. I get to know them, you know, so yeah. you feel comfortable in establishing that relationship. Did not expect it, but I wouldn't change it. Like yeah. I really love that. And I think that is one of the powerful parts about coaching because most of the time a client isn't struggling with their nutrition and fitness because nutrition is too hard and working out's too hard. It's because there's so many other things in life that are making the nutrition and fitness Again, not even hard, but just more likely to be put on the back burner. Mm -hmm. So having someone that you can chat with of like, okay, life is hard right now. How can I adapt my goals to be realistic in this season? Or encouraging a client of like, you can do hard things. Like, yeah, it's hard. I'm sorry. But like, you can do it, you know? And we all need that like cheerleader, I think. Oh, absolutely. I think we also need to be reminded that that we need we it's okay to tell ourselves that we can do it because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if we're constantly reliant on an external cheerleader i just got a, like a review sent back from a client that i was working with a long time ago she was like i think working with you helped me realize that i needed to be my own cheerleader mm-hmm. and that's what we all need like yeah. <clears throat> we just need that reminder sometimes it might be external mm-hmm. but if we can't become self-sufficient at some point or another in regards to our health and fitness or even just reminding ourselves that we are capable and that we can do a lot more than we think we can then Honestly, we're not screwed, but it's going to be really hard. Totally. You know, it's going to be really hard. So what were some other um, unforeseen or unexpected elements of coaching that really kind of took you by surprise? That's a good question. A lot, a lot of coaching has taken me by surprise. Um, I think something that has been challenged in me is I fell victim for a short period of time. But in the early days of my fitness journey that like the grind is necessary and like we all have the same 24 hours in the day <laughs> and if Beyonce can do you know look we, we just have the same 24 hours as Beyonce and like that whole grind mentality of yeah, like yeah. just work harder hustle don't stop yeah, yeah it's like no 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 <laughs> we don't all have the same time I'm 25 years old I have no kids I work from home yeah. I can go for a walk whenever yeah. I need to go for a walk we've got the same time but the way that time is uh utilized is is a way different way different and should be way different totally if my client who has three kids and a husband and she works and her kid is you know in like hybrid school like if she was just putting everything on pause throughout the day just to go for a walk i would be girl are you are you okay like we're in different seasons of life so something that was definitely um eye-opening to me was just realizing that like fitness is a forever thing and it's going to look different at all times and I really appreciate the time when I was able to work with a coach in my early 20s when I had no responsibility and I was in school and I lived alone and I could hit all of my protocols so easily. Mm-hmm. And even now, just a couple of years later, when I still don't have a lot of the responsibilities that many of my clients do, it still looks different now, you know? So I think learning like, okay, fitness is going to look different for everyone. Um, I always learn about new diets, new fads from clients who are coming in and bringing their past experiences to me. I learn a lot. Um, I learn, I've learned a lot too about the way that our upbringing impacts relationship with food. Cause I had my own experiences, but you know, you just learn a lot from other clients. Um, learned a lot of really funny workouts that, <laughs> that are out there too. Totally. Um, it's crazy how much you learn from clients. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> that happened uh, a while back. Someone was like, I've been doing this diet. Do you know what that is? And I was like, frankly, I've got no clue what no you're idea. talking about. 
Yeah. No, no idea. And they're like, how do you, how do you not know that you're, you're a trainer? And I just literally responded, probably because I don't pay attention to fats. Like, yes, 100%. I don't know what, you, what else you want me to say, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's wild. They come up all the time. This yeah. exercise, this crazy YouTuber person. I'm like, I don't understand what any of this means. Yeah. Am I too old? I don't know. Anyway. So those are some of the unforeseen things. What, yeah. what about coaching do you not like? <laughs> what about coaching just irks you more than yeah. you anticipated? Um, I think it's it's less unique to coaching and more unique to coaching in this day of age mm. and with social media. I mean, I don't like dealing with payments and contracts and like the business side of things. Yeah. Um, just because who likes it, right? We sure. want to coach. Uh, but that's not that big of a deal. I dislike feeling like I always have to prove science is science. That can be frustrating. And it's frustrating when I was thinking about this earlier um, on my drive here, that coaching is really unique because we offer a service, like we don't offer a product. We offer a service, but it's a unique service because it's not necessarily a service that we are doing for the client. I can't do the workouts for you. I can't eat the food for you. I can't cook for you. So it's like we're being... I will gladly eat the food for you. (laughs) Right. Those listening, send it over. Yeah, send it to us. but it's interesting because I think there's that subconscious thing of like, oh, I'm hiring a coach, therefore I will be successful. And having to remind people like, you got to do the work. We yep. know the analogy of like, we're the GPS, but yep. they're the driver. Um, so that that can be frustrating of seeing someone who has all of the tools, they're totally capable and they don't believe it, so they don't follow through. Or... Um, yeah, just wishing like, oh, I want to shake this person through the internet and be like, you could do it. Like, just yeah. keep going. Like, prove it to yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's got to be the most frustrating is it's just like, oh, like I can't want it more than you want it. Yeah. There's um, <clears throat> there's this book called Skin in the Game. It talks about um, the the financial investment and how that's a huge part of people's you know mm-hmm. skin in the game. Like, obviously, they're investing in our time and mm-hmm. the resources we give them the the service we give them but it's also uh, a commitment to to yourself but there's so many people that that really do whether consciously or subconsciously tell themselves like oh i'll just throw some money at this Mm -hmm. and six months down the road a year down the road i'll be a different person Mm -hmm. it's like no no no. investing in it is step like point zero 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 one yeah totally (laughs) and for some people that's the easy step yeah totally yeah that's i I would argue that's People might not realize it because it is it can be scary at times. But once you get a few months into it, you do realize, oh, that was the easiest step. Yeah. <clears throat> now I'm actually having to change. Mm-hmm. You know, my lifestyle. And it's a very real thing. Walk me through more of the. I want to uh, talk about what you said with like constantly feeling like you have to prove like science is science. What do you mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? And how has that come into play? Just so much misinformation on the internet. Okay. Um, whether it's a fad diet, whether it's oh well, now this is the food that's going to kill you. Or like, oh, you're drinking a Diet Coke and you're a fitness coach? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. little things. Um, but it's also Instagram and clickbait culture. And I'm even now like seeing online coaches almost take advantage of things like reverse dieting mm. or things that making everything look like a hack. Right. It's like, They're I know. Hacks. Yeah. It's like, I know this. Like, I know the reason you're not making progress. And if you hire me. And I'll give you the secret sauce. It's like, no, it's not really like that. Like, it really is simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy, you yeah. know? So feeling like I'm always having to say, like, no, you can you can have a little bit of artificial sugar. Like, you're fine. You can have this. If you're drinking alcohol, if you're having a glass of wine every night at dinner, sugar-free gum is the least of your concerns, you know? Like, little things like Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, or like, why are you spending all this money on a probiotic and washing it down with yeah. a Merlot, you know? Totally. <laughs> so... Little things like that where it just kind of chips away at you of like, oh my gosh, I get the same answer 80 yeah. times a day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a classic one. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. The aspartame in that Diet Coke, mind you that I probably have like once a month. Yeah. Uh, is going to kill you. But, oh, don't mind my husband and I. We split a bottle of wine every single night. Exactly. And it's like, wait, time out. What? I think mm-hmm. we've got our priorities mm-hmm. out of whack. So I think... I, I would like to know your experience too, um, and I'm not even sure if this is really really a question, but one thing that I've noticed with the rise in the fads and the, the misinformation on social media, um, I, this is my hot take, okay? I okay? love it. My hot take is that it exists because we allow it to exist. Mm-hmm. The consumers, y'all listening, we allow it to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there was no room for it to be in the marketplace, it would not be in the marketplace. 
Um, and I think the problem really comes from us outsourcing our brains, honestly. Like I think about myself when I'm making my coffee in the morning, right? And I've got like I'm figuring out my coffee to water ratio. You know, I get all nerdy with my coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I see on Instagram the you black got, thunder you got the food baby scale That's right. and the water. That's yeah. right. And I find myself using my calculator to do the math. Mm. And like this is literally me outsourcing my brain. And we do the same thing with Google. We do the same thing with internet, social media. We don't like we stop being kids in the sense that we stopped saying we stopped asking why. Mm-hmm. We just see a post and we just go, oh, that's absolute truth. On to the next yeah. thing, you know? Totally. And so it's no wonder that we're all confused. We're all wondering like, well, this person says this, that person says this. Which one is true? It's because we don't think for ourselves anymore. So being someone that's on social media, I just found my question halfway through that. Being someone, <laughs> I'm proud of myself. Being someone that's on social media and not only posting but consuming content as well and working with people who are consuming content on the same platforms, how do you kind of uh, Aslan's coming to say hi how do you uh, how do you like give people the tools necessary to like be able to combat that as they're consuming social media what do you recommend they do to be able to kind of like think for themselves in that process yeah I think we all need and I have to reinforce this with myself we all need a little filter like a little message box that pops up when you consume content a little reminder that just by it being Instagram they are very, very limited in the information that they can provide, right? Like we have at most 90 seconds. We have 10 little swipe boxes. We have a limited caption. I would find myself getting overwhelmed of like, I want to share this piece of information, but I feel like I can't break it down to be like bite-sized for Instagram. So understand that we are literally never getting the full picture, whether it's a picture of someone's physique or their workout routine, or if they're breaking down a really complex nutrition science topic, like there is no way that they are giving you all of the information because it is a small social media. Right. Um, I also think check out who you're following. That was one of the first things I did when I decided to quit following like uh, Fitzbos on mm-hmm. Instagram for the advice. Fitzbos, yeah. yeah. And instead follow people who actually knew <clears throat> science. So this was when I found that podcast I was mentioning. And I would I went on Instagram and I unfollowed a bunch of accounts where I started noticing when I see this girl's picture, when I see this person's post, it makes me feel insecure. Yeah. I unfollowed them, even if I thought they were a great person, even if the insecurity is on me and I'm projecting. Unfollowed them. Yeah. And instead followed people that the guy who did the podcast recommended of like the scientists, the, you know, all of these people, followed legit people. Even still, you're going to find people who interpret science differently. But I, I really think understanding like it's Instagram. It is not a science journal. Um, a large part of that too, though, I was in grad school when I was getting into all of this. So I think I already had that understanding you know i was conducting research and reading research so to see things on instagram is tough but yeah follow legitimate professionals because they'll basically always say it depends there's nuance here they'll offer yes context matters like if if the answer is not it depends red flag (laughs) yeah totally speaking of social media how are you doing with it how's social media game I haven't been on Instagram in a while. You know, I haven't been on Instagram in a while. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I just really struggle doing things that I'm not happy with, which I think can be good and can be to a fault at times. Uh, Example, me just like deciding not to continue with school because I wasn't happy anymore. Um, Pros and cons. But I just found with Instagram lately, I felt like I just had a lot on my plate. And for me personally, social media is an energy drainer. It does not, yeah, it does I think not. Like if it doesn't drain you, you're a psychopath. Yeah, like I, I've never in my life wanted to be an influencer. I yeah. don't ever want to be an influencer. I don't want, like, it's just not any part of what I, what brings me joy in life. Don't get me wrong. I'm still getting on Instagram and connecting with people, talking to my DMs with people. Like, I feel like I have a lot of friends from Instagram totally. that I follow up with. Um, but not, haven't been really making content lately. Mostly because I just don't feel inspired or like, it just doesn't feel natural right now. And I've found in the past when I force it, it just makes me resent it. And I like to make content that I feel is valuable. I like to make content that I feel is useful. Sometimes that's posting really frequently and enjoying that. And other times it's doing my email list, doing the podcast, chatting with people. So I've just kind of been like on my anti-Insta wave. And I do have my phone out and I feel like Instagram's listening to me and it's going to like decrease my engagement now. <laughs> But it's fine. It's fine. It probably um, is. I, I always want to believe that that's how it works. Same. Same. It's like a self-fulfilling just, prophecy. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's why. 100%. And then I yeah. just like don't post and then I blame it on 
my phone. Oh, it's all the algorithm's fault. Yeah, yeah, it's always. all the algorithm. It's like you, you post something, and it's like this is like probably one of the the most value driven pieces mm-hmm. of content I've given in <clears throat> months. Mm-hmm. Two likes. Yep. Then, always. then there's some post about I don't know some nonsense, mm-hmm. and it's a stupid amount of likes, and you're mm-hmm. just like, sweet. Yeah. I will never figure this out. Yeah, or views from like the wrong people. I know we've talked <laughs> about that before where I'm like, great, I have like 18 new followers and they're all, you know, 75-year-old men <laughs> who are DMing me now. It's like, you just can't win with Instagram. And no. I just never want to get to the point where it genuinely like impacts my mental health. You know, yeah. if I'm like, okay, this isn't serving me right now. I'm not punishing myself for it. Put it away for a little while, and then I'll get right back onto it, and it'll be fine. But yeah, I've just been like in a in a content rut, specifically for Instagram. Yeah, I don't know. What so, about you? I mean, it's yeah. For me, it's been it's been the same. Yeah. You know, I haven't uh, I haven't really uh, put a lot of effort into it lately. Yeah. Not in terms of like like when I do post, it's intentional and there's effort, but it hasn't been on the forefront of my mind mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. I need to post today. I got to post something. Uh, yeah, I definitely would say I'm in the healthiest place I've been in a long time with social media. I don't know what happened, but I'm just at a point where it's like, I look at, well, I haven't checked engagement in a long time, but then I looked at it like three days ago and I was like, I literally don't care. It is, it is. I didn't have any sort of emotional response. And I told Kaylee that I was like, that's a huge win because usually I would like tell myself I don't care, Mm -hmm. but I would still feel frustrated inside because it's like, I put all this work in what, like, do, do people not care? Uh, is the content crap? Because if it is, just tell me yeah. so I can fix it. You know, and now uh, whatever happened, I'm just at the point where it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, who cares? Yeah. You know, clients are getting serviced. Um, they're being taken care of. I have great joy in that. Yes. The people that are like engaging with content really appreciate it mm-hmm. and they make it known that they do. So it's like, what does it, what does it matter? 100%. You know? Yeah. And for me, if I have to drop something for the sake of my attention, mental energy, something, it's always, it's always going to be Instagram. Get rid of it. Every time. And I found like, then I have more energy and more like emotional capacity to engage with clients, yeah. talk with clients. And I was just talking with Daniel, my husband, for you listeners. Um, I was just talking about, uh, Those, about this. The with 75 year old men. Daniel <laughs> is her yeah. husband. Yeah. Other married. People. Yeah. Stop offering me <laughs> money for feet pics. Um, <laughs> Um, but I was talking about them earlier this week. I was like, I haven't been on Instagram, like posting in like two weeks, maybe. And I have new, a couple new clients, got some re-signs, got some people I'm still chatting to. Like business is fine. Yep. I also never want to feel like my business is my Instagram. Yep. Um, because that's just a scary, I, <laughs> scary. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. I mean, cause that's, that's the reality. If you have, you know, I know we don't have a lot of like, I would imagine a lot of other coaches and, and people, professionals in the industry listening, but like that's, if you do care about the insight, like that's, you can't do that. Cause if your whole business hinges on one platform, heck, even a couple different platforms, yeah. those things, they might seem like, you know, Goliath, these massive mm-hmm. entities that never fall, but Goliaths fall, you know, they're, they're going to fall one day and then your whole business is screwed yeah. and it's done for. And you have no control over those platforms. Zero. Like, you might feel like it's my Instagram or I'm verified now. I have direct support if my account gets hacked. You have zero control over zero. Instagram. Yeah. None it's of it. It's 100% like you're just a pawn in their game. Yeah. And that's like you have to accept that. Um, yeah. Like, otherwise, you put all your eggs in that basket. That basket mm-hmm. goes away and uh, you're screwed. No, I totally agree. So like if there's anything <laughs> to leave to the side. Yeah. It is definitely, definitely Instagram. So uh, speaking of social media, where if we're not, well, I mean, people can still find you on Instagram. Other than Instagram, where else can people find you? And for those that aren't following you right now, what is your Instagram handle? Yeah, my Instagram is built with Beck, built with, and then B-E-C. And I do have a podcast. So you can look up built with Beck, Spotify, Apple, all of the things. Um, and then I also have an email list, which you can find that and some other resources and things on my Instagram. Can we talk about how underrated email lists are? Email like, lists are goaded. Here's the thing. They never die. I mean, mm-hmm. this is obviously a business perspective. They never die. They're always mm-hmm. around. But I was also thinking the other day, and this is totally, totally, well, not off topic. We're just talking about it. But like, I'm just going off of one of my little things here. I was thinking about the other day. I get an, a newsletter from the pour over. Right. Mm-hmm. Is have you heard of the pour over? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I get that Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It is like one of the highlights of my week because I hate the news. Yeah. I hate it. But I get the news. I get an internal perspective. It takes me five minutes. I'm done. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't have my head in the sand, but I'm also not like living off of Fox and CNN all day long. And you don't have to seek it out. Like, oh my it gosh. It just comes to your inbox. It just comes to your inbox. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, it's like, I wonder if there will be an increase with just honestly newsletters that are that you actively subscribe to. 
because one, you an algorithm is always kind of throwing in stuff that you probably don't want, yep. the things you want, and it's usually not like stuff that's good for you. Mm-hmm. Instagram's a lot different than TikTok. That place is a hellhole. Yeah, uh, that's why you can't find me on TikTok. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> go on there. That place is the worst. Um, but even then, on Instagram, you still see stuff on there. It's like I didn't want to. I didn't want to see this. It's, yeah. It ends up being a time suck. Whereas email, it's like I sign up for what I, exactly mm-hmm. what I want, and it comes right to my inbox, and uh, it takes me probably little to no time. And once I'm done, I'm done. I feel like yeah. I'm done. I and feel like I don't have to continue. There. And you can keep it's it It's not like you have to refresh and then all of a sudden, like I'll be watching a reel and it's a recipe and I'm like, oh, this looks great. My Instagram refreshes and it's gone. Never to be seen again. No way to track it down. It's the worst. It's the worst. It is the absolute yes. worst. And emails are the best too as content creators because you can give so much more value. It's It can be longer form if you want it to be, but it doesn't have to be. Yep. You can include just as much animation, emojis, like graphics as, as you want. You can attach, you know, any kind of be it an ebook, a workout plan, a video, all of that. I just like so much more prefer longer form content, podcasts, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you need stuff like this to address what we talked about earlier with the, either the misinformation mm-hmm. or even if it is true, just not getting the whole picture and yeah. not figuring out how it applies to you. Yeah. You need to have like, you need the ability to sit down and press pause and process and digest things and mm-hmm. figure out, okay, how do I download this into my own life yeah. and apply it or else it's never, never going to work. Always. Well, thanks for coming on. This has yeah, been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been so fun. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Me too. This is good. If you're still here, listen up. Here's the thing. You have access to all the health and fitness information in the world, yet you may still find yourself feeling absolutely fed up with the way that you look, feel, and move. That's because it's not an information issue, but rather an implementation issue. What I do at Pullman Fitness is walk with you one-on-one through custom training and nutrition solutions so you can finally quit the guesswork transform your body and live life to the full. So if you're sick and tired of how you're looking, feeling, or moving, go ahead and message me on Instagram with the word call, that's C-A-L-L, call, and we'll see how I can best help you. And hey, if you enjoy the show, share the love by leaving a five-star rating and review and introducing the podcast to your friends and family. As always, thank you for listening. And until next time, this is the podcast.